Bibles, please, and open up the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter, chapter number 3. Once again, please keep Pastor Bell and the men that are our church in your prayers. They have a long time of traveling ahead of them, a lot of flying, uh, a lot of layover as well. So please make sure you keep them in your prayers as they have a long trip. And a few things are going to finish up tomorrow morning for them. So please keep them in your prayers. I believe they are watching the texting that are watching, so uh, so make sure you keep in your prayers, please. Always watch your cock. Okay, that's just kidding. So, 2 Peter chapter number 3, we'll read one verse, and then we'll pray. We'll have a special, and then we'll go into our sermon for the evening. 2 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 18, the Bible says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be both glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, I pray that you'll meet with us this evening, Father. I pray that you'll speak through me. Father, I pray that you'll enter myself and fill me with your spirit, Father. I don't want to just fill a time slot, Lord. I want to help. I want to be used. Father, I pray that you use the song, use the sermon this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. touch of hands so kind and tender, there leading me in paths that I must try. I have no fear for Jesus walks beside me, for I'm sheltered in the arms of God, so let the storms rage high, the dark clouds rise, they won't worry me. Sheltered safe within the arms of God. He walks with me, and not a bird can harm me, for I'm sheltered in the arms of God. Soon I shall hear the call from heaven's portals. Come home child, it's the last mile you must try. I'll fall asleep and wake in God's new heaven. Shall 
sheltered safe within the arms of God. So let the storms rage high, the dark clouds rise, they won't worry me, for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. He walks with me, and not of earth can harm me. For I'm sheltered in the arms of God. rage high, the dark clouds rise, they won't worry me, for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. He walks with me. sheltered in the arms of God, for I'm sheltered in, sheltered in the The Bible says, but grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I want to give you two analogies before we jump into the service. I want you to be in the same thought process I am. I have one for the younger, and then one for those that are mature. Amen. Amen. Praise God. For the younger folks, video games, be on your level here. You ready? When I read this verse, I, I think along lines. It's very similar to with the philosophy and the principle of how many story type video games work. Okay, you start off with very little, whatever, all the jazz and things that whatever game you're playing. Uh, as you go along though, you get more experience and you're able to level up your character, you get new equipment, new things, all those yada yada yada, all what have you. All those things are there for a purpose. There is a reason why they do that. There's a reason behind behind the developers putting the game in that way. It is so you cannot go to certain areas until you're ready. You cannot defeat certain things until you are able. And so you can follow the way that they meant you to play the game. It is it's why they do it. That's why they designed the game that way. So they don't have to put up certain barriers. They can just put up natural barriers of you can't do this. 
games yet. And so that's part of the deal of how they do it, and it's part of the growth of the game. And so it can also show you how far you've come. You went from being able to defeat these guys, which are nothing now, to where you are today. And so that's part of the thought process behind the game of you have to level up as you go. It's helped the developers uh, know that the player will play the game that it was intended to be played on. You have to grow. You have to level up. You have to get better equipment, weapons, whatever it may be, uh, whatever game you are playing. You have to follow along and continually develop your character and able to continue on. Well, uh, for the mature people in the group, uh, when you have a job. When you have a job and you desire upward mobility, you desire to have a raise, you desire to have a promotion, well, there are certain things that come along with that. Uh, most of the time when there's a promotion, there usually is some more training that needs to be involved. There's more things that you need to have done. There's more understanding that you need to have to have that title or to have that job. Sometimes it's an entirely different uh, uh, field of skills that you may have. You have to change everything around of your understanding because uh, now you're changing from doing more of the labor, manual work, and now you're working over the people and making sure they are doing the work. There are totally different aspects and avenues that it goes along. But in order for you to have that upward mobility, there has to be a time where those in authority look at you and say, okay, I know you have the proper training and understanding to now go to this next level. Now you can have this higher level that those around you are not ready to be at yet. It's that upward mobility. And along with that, generally, you know, we all hope, uh, with promotion you get a higher pay. Uh, you get more benefits or whatever it may be. Not all the time, but you know, that's usually what you want, okay? Uh, but that's, that's, the, that's the thought behind it. Those things work on the same principle. And so many things in our life, in this world, are based on that same principle of, as you go, you should grow. Because if you are going along and you are not growing, you're going to find the battles you face and the things you have to overcome, whether it be in a job or whether it be in, in the virtual world. Those things are designed to get bigger and bigger as you go. It's just like with working out. If you work out, you should be able to add more weight on as you go along. If you like to bench press or whatever uh, uh, your des uh, desire is that you want to do, if you are not putting on weight, then you are not growing. You are not putting on more weight on the bar, not on you, okay? Let's uh, amend that. I know how to put on more weight. I got this. Challenge accepted. Put on more weight. That's what they said in preaching. That's what I'm going to do. Muscle does way more than fat. But if you have more fat, you have a little more different muscle. Okay. <laughs> so along with that, if you want to progress, if you want to go further on, as you go, you have to grow. You cannot stay where you're at and continue going on and expect everything to work out the same. You have to continue in your growth. You cannot just keep walking along and expect everything to be the same because as you go along, things get worse, things get harder to deal with, there are bigger problems to deal with, and if you are not, quote unquote, leveling up as you go, if you are not scaling to the opportunity and the battles that lay ahead of you, you will not be prepared for them. 
you will not be able to succeed in the way that you are supposed to succeed. Once again, whether it's in the real life or the virtual world, there are so many different analogies that you could use, and all of them are based on the same principle. It's the graduated scale. It's made, once again, just like in schooling. Okay, in schooling, with kindergarten, you don't start out with algebra, geometry, calculus, all those things with the kindergartners, okay? That won't work, all right? Uh, it doesn't work that way. There has to be a graduated scale. They have to take on what they are ready for. What they are academically and mentally ready for is where they belong. And as they grow, each year should add new challenges. Each year should add new opportunities for them to grow, for them to learn. Same thing in life. When you stop learning, when you stop growing, you are dying. You are going in the opposite direction. You're either growing and going up or you're going down. It's, there, is no, there is no in the middle. You're either going up or going down. It's your choice. You can either be constantly trying to better yourself and grow or you'll be steadily going down because as you go on the road, as you keep on progressing forward in life, things get bigger, things get harder to deal with, things get more and more complicated and more of a challenge to overcome. So if you are not leveling up and growing as you go along, you will find yourself falling behind where you should be at. The Christian life is set up by God in the same way. The longer you walk with God, the longer you are Christian, the more God is expecting from you. The more God looks at you and says, okay, we've been on the road a while. It's time for the next level. It's time for you to take the next step. It's time for you to be able to take on that next giant that I have in front of you. I think you're ready for it. I, you've walked along with me long enough, and every step of the way, you can look back on your own life. You've looked at things that at the time you were facing them, they seemed insurmountable and impossible. But now when you look back at them, that's just an everyday deal now. I remember going, you know, uh, looking back at some of my high school days uh, when I went to high school and I, I worked a job and all those things. And I thought, man, this is, you know, this is hard. And then I went to college. And I'm like, this is really hard. And then I look back on that, I'm like, can I go back to that? <laughs> That'd be nice. And all those different things, it's how life works. As you grow, you should be able to take on more. Because if you are not able to, then that means you're going in the wrong direction. That means you're getting weaker. If you're not able to keep growing and keep putting on more and being able to keep taking on and keep success going forward, then that means you're going in the wrong direction. The same deal when it comes to seasons of life. There are some promotions and some things that you may have to totally change uh, your total mindset and what you have to do. Some promotions come along with that. There are some things where you get promoted from this area and you're in the same business, you're in the same job, but now your, your job set and skill set is now totally different. That's what happens in life sometimes. The Bible says, serve the creator in the days of thy youth before the evil days come. There is a time where whack, when strength will begin to wane where your ability to do what you once did will not, be, will not be there. And now you are taking on a different challenge. There's a totally different challenge that you had no idea about and you were never prepared for. But God has been preparing you all along. And if you have been following along with him, you'll find that I'm ready for this next step. It's a totally different challenge. It's bigger than I've ever experienced. It's bigger than I ever thought, even though it's nothing to do with strength or, or all those things. It's a different sort of challenge. That's how the Lord works. He wants us to be continually growing, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior.
life is a state of growth and overcoming new challenges. Every day is a new challenge that we are to overcome. Every day is a new step that we must take. If you are not growing, you are dying and falling behind. That is the bare minimum. If you are not growing, if you are not considerably making strides in your steps as you go forward, then you are falling behind. You have to press, as the Apostle Paul said, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling. So my question to you, what is the next step in the Christian life? What is the next step beyond where you are currently sitting in the Christian life? How is the upward mobility? It's a Sunday night, the faithful crowd. Okay, those that come to Sunday night service are those that uh, are more serious about the things of God. You don't just come on Sunday morning. You know you should be in church. You know the Bible says forsake not the assembly of itself together. You understand these things, and you have taken that upon yourself to say, I am going to do what is right. So I understand that. So my question to you, what is the next step for your Christian life? What's the next step for all of our Christian lives? You are actively trying to live and, and work in the church and do what God wants you to do. So what's the next step? Where do we keep on leveling up from here? Should we uh, 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 quit quit uh, everything with the world and and, and do as you know the monk uh, as the Catholics did in the Dark Ages, have monks and nuns, and we go live in convents so we could have no touch with the world whatsoever? Is that the next step? No. Okay. No, it's not. No, that's not it. That's not what God wants. God does not desire for us to be so separate that we can have no influence on the world. That's not what God wants. That's not what he desires. That's not the leveling up in the Christian life. That's not being able to take on more challenges and being able to further the cause of Christ. That's not doing anything for the cause of Christ. That's just for me. That's all that's for. So what's the problem? How am I supposed to keep on growing? Where do we grow? God does not want us to sit, soak, and sour. If all you do is you come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, and that's all you do and that's all you are, that's what's going to happen. You're going to sit, you're going to soak, and you're going to become a sour, and you're going to become a stench, and it's going to become a problem. So, what's the next step? We are commanded to grow. We have our example to keep more moving towards the mark. As the Apostle Paul said in the book of Philippians, he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. What is the next step? How do I keep growing and leveling up and find the upward mobility in the Christian life? How do I keep on getting stronger and going further and growing as God wants me to? Let us look at some facets of how we need to grow. Let's, look at, let's go to the book of Philippians. Book of Philippians. Once again, this is the Sunday night crowd. This is the faithful crowd. Most everyone in here, faithful to church. You give. You're involved in church. Oh, we didn't preview that. All right, let's do it real quick. We got to do it. Okay, here we go. On top of the page. Can't look at that. All right, here we go. We're going to do it real quick. For those in the monthly uh, in the yearly Bible reading, if you are through, Ezekiel 17, arise. I am standing. Preacher, I am standing. Okay. All right. Very good. Give yourself a round of applause. There we go. Very good. Wow, you guys. Not seventh inning stretch. Yeah, there we go. Important things of life. Most everyone 
in here, you're faithful to church, you do what's right, you try to please God with your life, you're trying to make sure that you, you have a daily walk with the Lord, daily reading your Bible, daily praying, giving to the church, being involved in the church, you're involved in ministries, bus ministries, choir, soul winning, the important things that God, yes, does want you to do. So my question is, where does the level up? How are you supposed to keep on growing? If that is where you're at in your Christian life, where do you go from there? I go to church. I give. I'm involved in the church. I do what God wants me to do. So where do I go from there? How do I keep on growing? What more is there to do? How do I, quote unquote, level up in Christianity? Philippians chapter number two, verse number five. Philippians chapter number two and verse number five, this is how the steady Christian, the stable Christian, the one that is growing in the Lord, this is how you continue growing. Philippians chapter two and verse number five, the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The next step for every Christian, especially for that Christian that is faithful to church, they're doing everything that they know God wants them to do, they give to the church, they're faithful to church, they have a daily walk with the Lord, they pray, they talk with the Lord, they read their Bible, they go soul winning, they're involved in church ministries, all those things. Yes, those are good, those are right, and you should be doing them. But what's the next step? How do I continue my upward mobility? How do I continue my growth so I know as the days go on, I don't fall behind and become weak? How do I know I'm continuing on? Well, here it is, Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, the mind of Christ. We need to change our minds to thinking in the way of Christ. We don't have to change your mind to do what God wants you to do. You don't have to change your mind to go to church. You don't have to change your mind uh, to go soul winning and to give and all those things. You have to uh, bend, but you don't have to truly change your mind. But the true step of Christianity, that next step of leveling up in the next level and going on and becoming stronger in Christ is changing your mind for the mind of Christ. So let's look today, what is the mind of Christ? What is the mind of Christ? We're going to go all through the Bible today and looking at what does the Bible say what our minds should be. So first off, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4, we're going to do a lot of Bible flipping today. We're looking at what is the mind of Christ? What does the Bible teach about having the proper mind? What was the mind of Christ? What is the mind that the Bible teaches us to have? The book of Nehemiah chapter number 4. Nehemiah chapter number 4. We'll read one verse in verse number 6. Nehemiah chapter number 4. And verse number 6, the Bible says... Nehemiah chapter number four, verse number six. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. First thing that our mind needs to be, to be in accordance with what the Bible has and what Christ's mind is, is a mind to work. Do you have a mind to work? Despite great opposition from the enemies, they had enemies round about them in Jerusalem. 
Sanballat, Tobiah, Gresham, all these men were raising up and raising up their followers after them, trying to get them to fail, trying to get them to falter. That's what they were trying to do. They would mock, they would slander, they tried to trick them into traps over and over and over again. Sounds very familiar to the day in life that we live in. There are so many enemies all around that hate God, that hate the church, that want nothing to do with it, but that does not change your mindset. Our mindset should always be to work. We have a mind to work. And because they had a mind to work, despite their opposition, despite the attack and the enemies they had to face, they were able to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. They were able to rebuild the walls because they had a mind to work. They set their mind on the prize of, we're going to have these walls rebuilt, no matter how hard it may be. And they would even have to work with the trowel in one hand, building the wall, getting the plaster in there, and the sword in the other, or spear in the other, ready to fight while working, ready to defend while working. They had a mind to work. They were determined to work, familiar to our day and age that we live in. If we have the mind the Bible speaks of, that mind of Christ, it is shown through scriptures, then and only will we have victory and continue on to that next level. Continue on in our growth and our strength and our ability to fight and overcome for our God. First off, we have to have a mind to work. Next, Isaiah chapter number 26. Nehemiah 4, 6, a mind to work. Isaiah chapter number 26 and verse number 3. What is the next thing that we need to have in our mind to have our mind in tune with Christ? To have, as Philippians said, as Paul said to the book of to the people of Philippi, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is the mind of Christ? We need to change our minds to the mind that the Bible desires for us to have. Isaiah chapter number 26 and verse number 3, the Bible says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Who? Whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. We learned about it this morning with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was able to sleep during the storm because he had perfect trust in his Father. His mind was stayed on God. The next thing that we need in our mind is not only a mind to work that's very important, but a mind to work is just a mind to work. Some of the most wealthy and wicked men in the world have a mind to work. That's a good thing. That's an important thing. Every Christian should have a mind to work. But if that's all you have, you're running in a fleshly race. You're running a spiritual race in a fleshly style, and it will not last. You may look good for a while, but you'll be a flash in the pan, and eventually it'll fizzle out. Because you're trying to run a spiritual race with fleshly power. A mind to work, you need to have it, but the mind to work will only take you so far. You need a mind that is stayed on God. A mind that is set on its determination of, I'm going to work, but I'm going to make sure my mind, my prize is set where it's supposed to be. My sights are set on God, and I will not remove it from him. Because God made a promise that will keep him in perfect peace. God said, I will keep you in perfect peace. Peace be still, like a sea of glass. He said, I'll keep him in perfect peace. Who? Whose mind is stayed on me. I keep my mind on God. God made me a promise. If I keep God in the forefront of my mind, God says, I will keep you in perfect peace. 
no matter what the storms, he didn't say there won't be storms. He said, I'll keep you in perfect peace. He's basically saying, while the storms are raging on, you'll be able to be like Peter and walk on the waves as long as your mind has stayed on me. But the moment you take your mind off of me and look at the waves and the wind and all that's around you, whew, straight down. That's what it was. That's, that's the example of what, that's the physical example of what this verse means. You keep your mind on Jesus Christ, Peter, you'll be able to walk all the way to him. No matter what's going on, you have perfect peace. You're walking on water that's raging and going crazy. But as long as you keep your mind on Christ, everything's okay. But the minute you look away, you begin to sink. Just like Christ had his mind constantly on what, the, on what does the Father want, that needs to be my mind and my status quo. But my working orders is what does the Father want? As Jesus Christ said when he was a child, he said, I must be about my father's business. As he said in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but thine. It's not what I want, Father, it's what you want. It's not about me, it's about you and your plan. My mind ought always to be on the Lord if I am to stay and attain the mind of Christ. For I need to have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. I need to first off have a mind to work. But I also need to have a mind that is stayed on me. A mind that is stayed on God. Next, Lamentations chapter number 3. Lamentations chapter number 3. We've looked at in Nehemiah. The people had a mind to work. That's a good thing. And every Christian needs to have a mind to work. But if that's all you have, you're no better than a wicked businessman. That's all he worries about is money. Oh, they have a mind to work. They're very diligent. But what separates us from them? Not only do we have a mind to work, we have a mind that stays on God. My mind is stayed on thee, and you will keep me in perfect peace. What else do we need to have in our mind? Lamentations chapter number 3 and verse number 21, the Bible says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. A mind that is filled. And not in hope as we think of it. Hope, in this instance, when the Bible speaks of hope, is an earnest expectation. It's a belief. It's not just a, I, I hope I make a million dollars. That'd be nice. We, we very flippantly use the word hope in our day and age, but hope in this time meant something very strong. You didn't say I'd hope in something unless you truly believed that thing. And the Bible says, set your hope in God. That's a strong, firm foundation that I'm setting in my God that he will protect me and keep me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, have I hope. We need to have a mind to work, a mind that stayed on God, but a mind that is filled with hope. Now, question, how do I have hope in a world that is so hopeless? Let's be honest, we live in a hopeless world. Absolutely hopeless. There is no hope. We live in a world that they all their pleasure from sin, all their desires from their own flesh. There is no hope in them. There is, oh, there's pleasure in sin, but for a season. That's not just for the Christian, that's for everybody. That's why evil seducers wax worse and worse, is because they have their pleasure, and then the pleasure wears off, so I need to go deeper. And they have their pleasure, and then it wears off, so I need to go deeper. That's why you wax worse and worse, because there is no end. It's the bottomless pit that keeps on going and going and going. So how do we find hope? How do I set my mind in a hopeful place in such a hopeless world? 
Well, let's continue reading. Lamentations chapter number three, number verse number 22. Here's how I can have hope. How do I have hope in this hopeless world? This gives me the antidote. This gives me the remedy to how I can have hope in such a hopeless world. Limitations 3.22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. I can have hope because God's compassions, they fail not. They will never end. They fail not. They are a promise of God that they will continually be there day in and day out. His compassion, not my compassion, not man's compassion, though the compassion of the Almighty God that sent his own son, that compassion. Not compassion on a worldly, sinful, wicked, fallen human being. That compassion isn't worth anything. This is compassion from the Almighty, from the merciful one, from the just God, that compassion. And he says, my compassions, they fail not. I can have hope because his compassions fail not. Let's get to verse number 23. How else can I have hope in this lost and dying, sin-sick and hopeless world? Well, verse number 23 says, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I can have hope because God's compassions fail not. They are new every morning, and God is the great faithful one. Great is thy faithfulness. I can have hope because God's faithfulness is great. Nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with my life. It's all to do with God. I can only have hope because of who God is. His compassions fail not. His faithfulness is great. Verse number 24, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. I can have hope because God is my portion. The one that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. The one that is the almighty, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the ruler of the universe. That is my God. And he said, I'm your portion. I I am your portion. I can have hope because the Lord is my portion. I can have hope in a hopeless world because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. I can have hope because his faithfulness is great. I can have hope because the Lord is my portion. I can have hope because in verse 25 to 27, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. See, we receive hope when we learn to sit and wait on the Lord. The Bible says to wait on the Lord. And he will renew thy strength. He will give you wings as eagles. That's what God's remedy is. He says, you wait on me, and I'll fix the problem. But you wait on me. I'll give you the hope you need. Wait on the Lord. Sit and wait on the Lord. Bear our yoke and and burden our youth, and learn the strength God is trying to give us. That's how we have hope. We have hope because of God. Because of what God is trying to do. Because of what God is trying to teach. That is why I can have hope in such a hopeless I am to have the mind of Christ. How do I keep on leveling up? How do I go beyond just being a Christian that goes to church, that reads my Bibles and pray, and and I do work in the church? How can I keep on growing? Well, you grow by attaining the mind of Christ. Learning to train myself to think in the way that the Messiah thought, that the Savior thought. Verse number 36 in Lamentations to subvert a man in this cause, the Lord approveth not. Last thing in what you need to have hope. If you're causing to subvert a man in this cause, you're trying to uh, cause people to swerve and to have problems in their life, God says, don't even bother. You won't have hope. 
See, there's a bunch of things to remind us about, but then there's also a condemnation. Don't subvert a man in his cause. Do not, to subvert a man in his cause, the Lord approveth not. It doesn't say specifically what it is. It just says to subvert, subvert a man in his cause. God says if someone is busy doing something, you have no business. I do not approve of you subverting him. I do not approve of you undermining him and trying to mess him up. God says the Lord approveth not. If you want to have hope in your life, you best follow what God wants you to do. You best be a shining beacon of what God has for you. Do not subvert a man. So I need to have a mind to work, to have the mind of Christ. But not only that, I need to have a mind that stayed on God, just like Jesus Christ had in his life here on earth. As he sat in the storms of life, he had a mind that was stayed on the, a mind that was stayed on God. Not only that, we need to have a mind that is filled with hope. If I'm to have this mind of Christ, I'm to continue leveling up in my Christian life so I can be greatly used of God, more used of God than I am today, I need to attain the mind of Christ. A mind to work, a mind stayed on God, a mind filled with hope. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. Let's go there. 2 Peter 3 verse 1. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 1. A mind to work. A mind stayed on God. A mind that's filled with hope in a hopeless world. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 1. What's the next thing that I need to have the mind of Christ? This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you. In both which I stir up your pure minds... By way of remembrance, I need to have a pure mind that's stirred up. Minds that are pure, that are stirred up. That's the mind of Christ, a pure mind that is constantly stirred up in the things of God. How do I have a pure mind that is stirred up in the things of God? Two steps to the pure mind. First off, taking heed to God's word. I can only have a pure mind if I am listening and following God's word. There is no way I can have a pure mind if I'm not following God's word. If I'm not constantly applying it to my life. Two steps of pure mind, taking heed to God's word. Secondly, by keeping filthy, sinful rubbish out of my mind. The psalmist said, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Because he had an understanding. He said, I know if I allow it to get into my mind, my mind will turn against me. My mind will fight against me because my mind has a fleshly desire just like I do. My mind has a desire to think and to dwell on things that are wicked and things that are wrong. So I need to protect it. Amen. So it's an easier fight to win when there's less rubbish and filth in here. If there's less inside, there's less to fight. So I need to have a pure mind. Well, I have a pure mind first and foremost. Submit yourself to God. Then resist the devil. See, too many of us are trying to resist the devil without submitting to God. We're trying to do it in our mind to work, in our own fleshly ability. I can do it. I can gain the victory. You have no idea who you are fighting then. If you think you can go one-on-one, mano-a-mano with the devil, you've got another thing coming. We need to have a pure mind. Taking heed to God's word, submit yourselves therefore to God. 
then resist the devil. Then we keep the filthy rubbish out of your mind. Do not give place to the devil. Every time you allow some wicked thing, whether through your eyes or through your ears, into your mind, that's more rubbish the devil can use later on. He can snag up and say, hey, remember this? And now you have to fight against it for the rest of your life because you let it there. And that's why the psalmist understood. He says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes because he already knew. He says, if I put it in there, I'll have to fight with it for the rest of my life. The devil can bring it up whenever he wants. A pure mind. The mind of Christ is a mind that is pure. But not only pure, it's a mind that is also stirred up. A mind that is stirred up. How do we have stirred up mind? The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, you need moments and times to remember to encourage yourself in the Lord. So, some ways to make sure that you can have a mind that can be easily stirred up. Be active in a fire, damnation, sin rebuking, soul winning, Christ and God honoring church. That's how you have a stirred up mind. That's how you have the mind that can be stayed on God is because you have a mind that's constantly being challenged and constantly being stirred up. As the Apostle Peter said, he says, I am trying to stir up your pure minds by way of remembering. I'm trying to bring things up so you can remember who you are, so you can remember who bought you. That's what we need. We need a mind that is stayed on God. David encouraged himself in the Lord. David was able to say, I'm in a bad place right now. I'm not where I should be. I'm having a hard time. But I remember what God has done for me before, and he'll do it to me again. He'll do it for me again. So I can, see, that's, that's when we know we really started to move on in our life is when we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. Just imagine the walk that David had to have with his God. He didn't need another man to come along to say, hey, remember when this happened? Remember when that happened? He could remind himself. Ah, it's such a powerful thing. Because we often are way too sinful and way too self-centered to think of the good things of the Lord. Because when we're down in the dumps and down in the mouth, all we can think about is me and my problems and the things that I have to face. But God is trying to get us to the place of a stirred up mind that is pure. A pure mind isn't about me. A pure mind is about what God wants, what God desires. A pure mind that is stayed on God. If you desire to not stagnate and begin to putrefy, this sits open and sour, you begin to, to putrefy, stink. You need to have a stirred up mind. Things that are settled. A, a body of water that has no outlet that just sits begins to stagnate and begins to putrefy and stink. And it's a disgusting place to be. You don't even want to touch it. All the allergy and things that are in there, all the problems that that water has, you want nothing to do with it. The same thing happens to a Christian. And your mind, if your mind is not stirred up by the things of God, you don't get stirred up if you're not in church. You don't get stirred up if your mind isn't stayed on God. And then your mind begins to stagnate and putrefy. It begins to stink. Because it's just, the algae begins to grow. And you don't worry about anything. And God is trying to stir up your mind. But I, oh, I like it. I can move on. But no, there's time where God says, no, I need to stir your mind up. I need to grab your heart and wake you up. God desires for us to have a pure mind that is stirred up in the good things of the we should have a desire and a goal to be as David was. David encouraged himself in the Lord. To get to the place where even when I have a bad day, even when I have a problem, 
it'll be good because the Almighty One, the Holy One of Israel, has my back. And he has it before, and he'll have it again. Our pure minds stirred up by way of remembrance. Next, number five, a mind to work. A mind stayed on God. A mind filled with hope. A mind that is pure and stirred up. Number five, Philippians chapter two and verse number two. Philippians two, verse two. We need to have the mind of Christ. Let this mind, the mind of Christ, be in you. You want to grow up? You want to keep on leveling up in the Christ and the walk with God in your Christianity so you do not fall behind so God can say, I can still use you. I can still use you. I can still use you. If you desire that, then you need the mind of Christ. What's the next thing? Philippians 2.2. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. A mind that's in one accord. A church of all places should be a place that the minds of the people are of one accord. How shall men know that ye are my disciples, that ye have love one for another, that there be unity amongst the brethren? God says there's very few things that are more sweet, smelling, savor to me than when I look down at my people getting along in perfect unity. That's what God says. That's, that's what I want to see. That which makes me happy. That's what makes me joyful. 1 Peter 3.8 says, Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous. When believers are not of the same mind, there is division. When there is division, as Jesus Christ said in Matthew 12, 25, and Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. So if you're not in one accord with the mind of Christ and with the mind of the church, you're causing division. There is division, whether you like it or not, whether you, I don't see it that way. It doesn't matter if you see it that way. It doesn't matter. That's like saying, I don't think two plus two is four. It doesn't matter what you think. There are some things that don't matter, okay? A house divided against itself, it will not stand. It will crumble and fall. Same thing with the house of God. If the believers and Christians that make up the assembly of the house of God are in contention and not in unity, that's a house divided. And unless it's amended very quickly, it will fall. It will begin to crumble because we think we know best. Only by pride cometh contention. Every argument is based in a root of pride. Because I think I know what's right, and I'm willing to say it. Because I think you're wrong. I think you're dumb. Okay. Uh, all the above. There are many other scriptures just on the unity of the church members. It's an important thing to God. 
God is all about the unity of the brethren, the unity of the church. So in short, if you are not of one mind of the church, of the local New Testament church, the church is hindered in the mission of glorifying God. The church is uh, hindered by preaching the gospel. There is lack of preaching of gospel because there's more contention and more issue that has to, fires that have to be put out where those abilities and times and interests and energies could be put towards preaching the gospel, seeing the lost saved, seeing sin and rebuked and saints revived. Those are the job of the church, not having to deal with disunity of the brethren. So it would be better for a believer, for a Christian who is not of one mind and who will not change to leave. Because a house divided will not stand. So you are either going to have to have God, as we talked about this morning, put some storms in your life to break your heart, or you should just leave. Because you are hindering the work of God. And God does not take kindly to someone that hinders his work, someone that hinders what he is doing. So it's better if you're not in mind of one church that you just leave. Now it would be better, it would be better if you just fit yourself and get back in line. That would be the best. But if you're not going to save the hurt and the trouble, and the blot on the name of Christ, then leave. Because the best that will come out of it is Christ's testimony will be hurt. You are hindering the work of God. Jesus Christ taught his disciples time and time again, unity, love of the brethren, these are the important things to Christ. These were important things to the Messiah. Second Timothy 1.7, what is the next thing that our mind needs to be? What is the next thing the Bible teaches that our mind should be so we can have that mind of Christ? Second Timothy chapter number one, verse number seven, the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Second Timothy one, verse seven, the Bible says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind. A sound mind is something that's orthodox. It's well-founded. It's self-disciplined. It has clear judgment. It's unshaken. It has a strong and solid foundation that is not broken and is not cracked and will not. It's sound. It's structurally sound. It is a sound mind. That's the mind that Christ had. Christ did not have a mind that was clouded. Christ did not have a mind that was not self-disciplined. Christ did not have a mind that was weak and shaky. He had a sound mind, and that's the mind that we should have. That's the mind that we need to have. That's the mind that we are supposed to have. We are getting uh, we are getting to the much more rare qualities. Some of the ones before were mind to work. Yeah, if you're going to work in a church, you're going to have to have a mind to work. You're not going to work very long. You don't have a mind to work. You're not going to last very long. You don't have a mind stayed on me. 
We're going to get to more rare qualities of the mind of Christ. Sound mind, unshaken mind. We live in a insecure, sin-sick world that is constantly changing. It's hard to have a sound and solid foundation in a place that's constantly shaking. It's a challenge. But someone who is built on the rock has a sound foundation. That's how we can have a sound mind in this world is my mind is fixed on thee. My mind is fixed on thee, O Lord. But if our mind is not, the unstableness of this world will cause our mind to become shaky and frail and weak because we are unsure, because we are unfounded. In this day and age, these attributes of the mind of Christ are dying and being buried. The mind of Christ. Oh, you might find one or two, but all of them are gone. It's gone. Next. First Peter 5. First Peter 5, number 7. The mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. Do we have the mind of Christ? A mind to work, a mind stayed on God, a mind filled with hope, a mind of pure and stirred up, a mind that's in one accord, walking hand in hand with everyone else in the church, with those of God, a mind of unity, a mind that's sound, that's strong, that's foundationed in the Lord. These are the mind of Christ, the qualities of the mind of Christ. First Peter 5, verse 2. What's the next quality that the mind of Christ has in store for us? First Peter 5. Verse 2, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but by of a ready mind. What's that ready mind mean? Ready means quick, prompt, no hesitation, no hesitating. It's willing, it's free, it's cheerful to do or suffer. It's prepared, it's fitted, it's furnished with what is necessary. It's disposed in a manner suited to the purpose. A ready, it's ready for the job. Like when you're working on a car, you can never find the ready tool. Okay, let's go through all of them. Where is the one 10 millimeter socket? It's never there, it's always gone, okay? It vanishes, it runs away. That's the one socket, it's always gone. It will always be gone. ready mind is one that's always, it's, it's set for the purpose. Whatever God wants, my mind is ready for it. Whether it be working with children, whether it be teens, whether it be soul winning, whether it be uh, talking to an older person, whether it be talking to someone that has problems in their life, whether it be talking to someone that has battles they have to overcome, my mind is ready. It's set. It's fitted for what needs to be. It's set. It's fitted for the purpose. It's furnished for what's necessary. That's the sound mind. Jesus Christ, whoever he talked to, he always was ready. I have an answer for you, Nicodemus. Oh, I have an answer for you, woman at the well. Oh, I have an answer for you, little children. Stop for them to come into me. It didn't matter who he talked to. He had a ready mind. His mind was ready. I can help. Oh, I can help. I know what, I know what you need. How do you have that? What has to have a mind that stayed on the Lord. A mind that's always in the Word of God. You put all these things together, you'll find the next one helps the next one. And the next one helps the next one. And the next one helps the next one. You follow the process and you'll find God is leveling you up for the next do. 
God is preparing you for the next battle you have to face, for the next giant you have to overcome, for the next mountain you need to climb. God says, I'm getting you ready. Just follow me. Keep going on, because if you don't, you're going to get to that mountain and you're not going to be able to climb it. Keep following on. Trust me in my training process. Trust me how I'm leveling you up, because if you get to that mountain and you're not ready, it's going to be a bad time. But if you trust me, that mountain will be much easier. I'll still be with you. We'll carry the yoke together. A ready mind. We live in a crazy age of running around like headless chickens, flying our arms around, trying to fanatically do everything that we can. In our business, always be prepared to be used. Christ was always prepared for whatever lay ahead. With joy and cheerfulness. With joy and cheerfulness of Christ. He had a ready mind. How is your mind stacking up? with all the qualities of the mind of Christ. When we truly be honest with who I am and who he is, there is no comparison. There is no hope. But that's the mercy of God. He says, I'll work with you if you're willing. Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. I'll just read it here. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's the next part of our mind that we need? We need a renewed mind. A mind that's renewed in the things of God. God's word and teaching of the Holy Spirit renews and changes our mind. If you are not changing more every day, then you are not growing in Christ. It's a daily process. Every day, I should be seeking Every day, my mind should be set on that day, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. When I give him all my life's works, and it's burned in fire, and the rewards come forth. That, my, that day is what should be on my mind every day. When I have the ability to take all the rewards of my life and cast them at Jesus' feet, that's the day that should always be on my mind. And if that is always on my mind, growing in Christ, you'll find it will be much easier because I'll be consumed with the thought of I want to give more to my Savior on that day. And I'll be less worried about me on today. And my mind will be more easily stayed on God. How are we doing with a renewed mind? Not a single person that has ever lived has ever attained to Jesus Christ. So therefore, as long as there is breath in your lungs and blood beating through your heart, you have room to grow. You have room for improvement in following after the Christ. So therefore, we should always be changing. Every day, to the utmost, trying to better ourselves for the cause of Christ. A renewed mind. I will not allow my mind to be what it once was. I will constantly be changing my mind more and more to what is of Christ, to what is of God, trying to add more to my mind, trying to add more to who I am so I can be more like Jesus Christ, so I can be more of the mind of Christ. Next, Romans 12, verse 11, the Bible says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. James 5, 16 says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. That you, may not, uh, that you may be healed, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We need to have fervent minds. Minds that are hot 
with passion and desire, not stagnant and cold, not just barely burning. You see, that's where many of us are. Where is the fire? Where is the desire? Where is the passion? Where are those that can say as Jeremiah did in uh, Jeremiah 20 verse 9, then said I, I will not make mention of him, nor speak his name, nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart, a burning fire, shut up in my bones. Where are the Christians that would say that? Even if I wanted to, I couldn't stop serving God. Even if I wanted to, it burns inside of me so strongly. It's a fervent fire I can't put out. What happened? What happened to our fervency? Where are those Christians that have the fire, the fervency of God, the fervency of spirit, that attitude of fire that I had the boldness of Christ, the boldness to do what is right? We have lost the mind of our dear sweet Savior. If you have lost your fire or allowed it to become just a barely few burning embers, you will not have the mind of Christ until you rekindle it and bring them back to the burning fire that they need to be. The fervency of the mind of Christ, the passion, the fire that he had burning within him. Oh, the Son of Man He didn't come for those that thought they were all good and all great. He said, no, I have a burning fire that the world knows who I am, that the world knows the sacrifice that I have. We have lost the mind of Christ. People, let your fire go out. It's time to have it back. And let the tears run down. Beg the Lord, don't let my tears go dry. says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Number 10, what do I need to have the mind of Christ? A mind that is subject. A mind that is subject. I'm willing to be subject to what's in authority. The mind of Christ is one that is subject to those in authority. Not a begrudging submission, true submission. I'll do it because I have to. Now that wasn't the mind of Christ. Jesus Christ didn't go there stomping his feet and flailing around. Fine, 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 fine. He didn't walk up to, to tax collectors that way. They say unto him, Caesars, talking about the penny, whose inscription? Caesars. Then he saith unto them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to the God the things that are God. Jesus Christ was trying to teach. He said, Look, I'm, I'm the Son of God. I can do what I want, but I'm putting myself in subject. Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. 
He has the ability at any moment to call legions of angels down. Say, all right, I'm done with this. Forget. Start over again. Okay. But he said, no. I'm willing to do what needs to be done. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, if it be possible, as much as life within you, live peaceably with all men. As long as it's within the bounds of what is right, holy, live peaceably with all men. Oh, that's a daunting thought. We live in a day and age of if it's not right, if I don't see why, tough. It's my way or the highway. But that's not said, as much as lies within you, as all possible, live peaceably with all men. That's what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ didn't say, oh, you're a wicked, you serve a wicked Roman emperor, you treat him as a god, I'm God. Get out of here. I'm not giving you my money. No, he didn't do that. He lived peaceably, showing the way. goes right into the next one. Philippians 2 verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. God despises the proud. That's an abomination. Yeah, the proud look. Just the look of the proud makes me sick. I despise it. But the humble fresh drink of pure water. The mind of Christ is one that's lowly. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. What is this mind that we're speaking of? Well, he's going to explain it a little bit further. Who, being in the form of God, verse number 6, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but, so he says he is God, he was God, but, even though he was God, made himself of no reputation and took upon him
close together, you are now getting ready to get the right to Christ. You are now getting ready for that next level of going beyond just going to church, reading my Bible, praying, serving in church. Now, now I'm thinking. I'm thinking in the mind of Christ. I'm not just doing what Christ wants me to do. I'm now actively thinking. Because when you put those things together, you're learning to think, this is the way Jesus Christ was thinking. This is the way he was thinking. He was, this is the way he was putting his thoughts together because this was how he built his mind. He built his mind around these promises. And when you do that, you can then begin thinking with the mind of Christ. That God wants you to have the mind of his son. The mind of Christ is esteeming others better than yourself. The mind of Christ is, I am willing to spit on you. I am willing to swallow your hurt, your wrong, and your loss for others. If someone else can fail, because I swallowed it up, because I had patience and long-suffering, Just imagine Christ. All he had to do with, with just with the disciples. Constantly. What? Again? Seriously? Peter? Alright, here we go. Come on. Sinking in the water again? No worries. I'm good. I got you. What are you guys talking about? Who's going to be on the right hand? like a parent trying to keep, teach their child to walk. Come on. You can do it. You've got this. Oh, it's going to hurt. Yeah, it's going to hurt. The mind of Christ, even though I have liberty, I will refrain from heresy. Let's go to Romans chapter 14. I could get my just desserts, but for Christ's sake, I have every right, but for Christ's sake, truly acquiring the mind of Christ when you're actively thinking about others and how they perceive you. Not for yourself, but how they perceive you because you're an ambassador of Christ. You're a son of God. I'm not worried about what they think of me. I'm worried about what they think of my Savior because of me. Amen. That's I want to be everything I should be so others can look at me and perceive that's what Christ is like. Romans chapter 14, verse number 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in a brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. Basically saying, I know what's wrong and I know what's right. 
I know what I can eat, and it says unclean, it's not unclean. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat. drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. And here's, here's the crux. For meat destroyed things indeed are pure. Christ was saying, I, it's, it's, it's okay. You can eat the meat. But it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. Paul is trying to teach. This is the next level of Christianity. This is the big boy Christianity. This is how to mature in your Christian life. I have every right. I can do this. There's nothing wrong with me doing whatever it may be. There's nothing wrong with me. But if I do that, I may cause some that walk with me to err. I will repent and bow it down before Christ. All the things Christ has done in his power and his ability, but he said, stumble and fall. It's okay. It's so fine. I'll never think of it again. That's the only thing I'm going to think about. I will take hurt and sacrifice because I want to make sure nothing causes any offension against Christ's name. What is the mind of Christ? Colossians 1, 2, 3. That in all things, Is this making Christ paramount, premier, top of the mountain? If it's not, not a deal. I don't care how much I like it. I don't care how much it means to me. I am not doing it. We are failing, and it's not because of anything we like to blame on. It's on us. Thank you. 
seu estoque
Lord, yes, I will sing.